Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm your host, The Trunk, and I'm joined this week by, well, not just this week, every week by Raj Baines. How's it going this week, Raj? Yeah, not so bad, mate, you son. Yeah, not too bad at all, mate. Um, let's uh, before we go into Spurs, first week Huddersfield. How, <laughs> how are we feeling about that, mate? Uh, yeah, it was not so bad, was it? Um, it was all right. Three 0 wasn't it? In the three 0 yeah, against Palace away. So um, and they're they're a tidy side, new manager. Well, that's the thing. They were trying to be too tidy for their own good, and essentially, it's it's one team with momentum and an identity, and and knowing how they play football and what they're supposed to do down to the man and one team who was still learning what they're doing under a new manager and and that proved to be the undoing of them because uh time was just far more confident and far more clinical in what they were doing than than palace could ever be there are a few few saves that needed mecking don't get me wrong it weren't a completely one-sided but um scoreline is a fair reflection of how the game went in truth so would you say, because Huddersfield, I know you made a, a couple of signings. I mean, you signed on a lad signings. that was on loan and such, but the the kind of core of the side is very much unchanged, isn't it? Yeah, and the, uh, the there's something to it. perhaps be said for that from a Tottenham perspective as well, as we talk about <laughs> signings and such. I'm trying to segue here, mate. Sorry. See what I'm doing. No, yeah, no, no. I thought you were no, carry on. No, what I was just going to say is that, yeah, the players they've brought in are essentially... Um, to pad out the squad because it was a, a small championship squad they had last season and fourth lowest budget and spending everything in the league. So they've had far more catching up than even Newcastle or Brighton have had to do. And they've they've overtaken them now. If you have a look at what those two have to show for themselves, Newcastle especially, who Town have got this weekend at home. So out of all the newly promoted sides, they've been the one that have been written off um, most handily, but they're the one you you really should be least worried about because everything's settled and they've done business and and training and everything far more concentrated and and well prepared than anyone else's that's in and around them. How's the book coming along? It's coming along, yeah. It's um, I've got next couple of weeks to put me finishing touches and everything on it. So yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. For anyone that didn't listen last week and doesn't know, Raj is writing a book about uh, Huddersfield. You, you go on, mate. You take the stage. You'll, you'll be able to well, sell this one better than I. It's just essentially the story of last season, putting in context what the achievement is and how it was done and speaking to the people inside the club about sort of their feelings and emotions and the work they did behind it. So um, I, I wouldn't want to compare it to anything because it's sort of not a version of anything, but it's sort of... Uh, along similar lines of what Pep Confidential was, but less concentrated on one man and more about the entire club and sort of how the achievements come through. There's a lot of stuff in there with the owner, Dane Hoyle, who's fantastic, and uh, David Wagner and stuff and, and the players that are involved. So it's more about, you know, explaining behind the scenes of how that achievement was done 
rather than sort of it's not a celebration or a diary or something like that. It's a piece of journalism. It's just a longer form and more in depth than you would be able to in in an article or something. What's it called? It's called Underdog. Um, and then I think it's got a subtitle about being the inside story of Uddersfield Town's promotion campaign or something like that. You know, I didn't know until you uh, retweeted something the other day that Wagner used to play for the fucking US yeah, men's he's, national he's team. German-American, yeah. Um, so he's an, uh, an old American uh, international. I think it was his father. But I, from what I know, he doesn't actually know his father or he doesn't have a relationship with him. Um, and he hasn't for some years. So it's it's sort of more he wasn't good enough to play for Germany, so he played for America instead. And was it like a military family type thing or I'm something like sure, that? I'm not sure. It's not something I, I pride too much about because I think it's something that's quite personal to him. And so you're a strange father. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not the yeah. one that I opened up with. It wasn't. Yeah. wasn't anything that I needed to touch on in any of the times I've spoken to him. It might be interesting if I ever write a profile on him or something like that. It may be something that we touch on then, but I've never done anything along those lines. If they carry on fucking beating teams 3-0, then I'm not... It won't be too long before somebody's knocking up me emails and asking for, for that to be done, I'm sure. But um, it's more about sort of, um, like I say, the club. But yeah, it, it's funny because Town have just... Uh, this window brought in Danny Williams from Reading on a free, who's fantastic, really good uh, central midfielder. Not that old boxer, then. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, and he's German-American as well, so he's actually got similar sort of... Uh, linear jazz wagner which is a point that everyone has made all right um all right fuck huddersfield off anyway no yeah, one cares yeah, about them weird, mate don't I, listen to this because i do a, a huddersfield podcast as part of my work now and i obviously mention on that that i'm a tottenham fan so i get tweets from their fans telling me to talk less about tottenham on the huddersfield podcast <laughs> i get tweets from fucking tottenham fans going talk less about huddersfield on the tottenham it's fucking it's uh it's annoying because then you you've got them going oh why is a tottenham fan talking about huddersfield and i'm like because it's my fucking job and then you you got why is a tottenham fan talking about huddersfield because it's my job and it's my hometown so it's it's a weird situation to be and like i said it's the most sort of fucked up lower league affair you could have ever had because I just, I wanted to watch um, avoid relegation and pay for cheap tickets. That's all I ever wanted from Huddersfield and within a, a season or a season and a half of having a season Be- ticket. Beers and banter with the lads. Well, not really. It's psych, so there's not much banter to be had. It's more about going to watch the football and not being alone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's turned into something weird. I mean, having that on you on your doorstep and the story and the achievement and sort of seeing them flourish under under Wagner has been fantastic. But uh, as, l- as long as your fucking prediction that they're going to stop us from winning the league doesn't come true, mate, you crack on. <laughs> it, it's, it, then was, otherwise it's your fault. There was basically. about 20 minutes in between our game finishing and Man United starting where the only thing holding Tottenham back from being top was Huddersfield. And there was this weird moment where I thought this is just going to fucking follow us around like a bad smell now, isn't it? It's going to... You know, Man, you're for if you think you're getting pelters now, you're fucking in for them if that, if that happens. Yeah, when, um, it's going to be when uh, when Jonathan Ogg breaks Harry Kane's ankle or something, that it's going to be worse. 
So speaking of us being top of the league, um, good start. Good start to the season. 2-0 away at St. James's Park. I, I, I know for whatever we can say about their squad, about the fact they're a bit of a championship side, it has historically been a reasonably tricky tie for Tottenham. Um, but we did exercise a few demons from the from the 5-1. Um, and Harry Kane, despite not scoring, looked pretty good for it. He was pretty handy. He... Because I think that uh, we'll start on Kane because a lot is made about the fact he doesn't score in August, right? Um, and I think it's 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 a bit quick to start making a note of trends like this for a player as young as he is um, and who has had the type of summers he's had up to this point to comment on the fact he starts slowly. It, it just seems a bit counterproductive to say, well, he starts slowly, but, well, you know, the first time he'd come off the back of the under-21 zeros, I believe, and then the second time he's come off the back of the World Cup or the other the other way around, under-21's World Cup and the full Euros. Yeah. Uh, um, so it's a bit ridiculous, but seeing him now, he's, you know, we've seen his Instagram all summer long. He's been off on holiday. He's been, you know being a family man, basically, doing his bits all over the world. Seems to be well-rested, and he looks quite up for it. He, he got himself into a couple of good positions. Um, quite unlucky the first time around. Maybe could have done a bit better, hit the ball straight at... Who is it? Rob Elliott? They got yeah, the goal yeah, with that? Elliot, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then later on towards the end, we're hitting the post. Um, the sort of thing you reckon probably, you know, nine times out of ten, he is going to hit home, but you, know, you don't always get them. Um, but you look bright for me. Yeah, no, no. What, what, sorry, no. you're going to ask a question. I was just going to s- sort of move on to the tackle and what you thought of that because that's it was a yellow card, man. Yeah. It wasn't anything more than that. The only reason that people have made more of it is because John Joe's a prick and got sent off. Um, and I felt vindicated, by the way, for spending the entire podcast last time calling him a prick, and then he does that. It was sort of cheers for that one, Nobbed. You've just proved me right. Um, but. It was a yellow card for me. Maybe I felt different um, if it were other way around. I'm not sure because obviously there is bias there. But, uh, you know, it's not sort of a, a Mick Morgan situation where he should have got more than yellow. He's, he's gone for He quite clearly has gone for the ball. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's not. And he didn't, he didn't look. I mean, there was at the time, I can't remember even who it was that was commentating on it. It was saying, oh, yeah, he's gone in, his boots are high there. Where they fuck? They weren't at all. He's taken the ball. And there's a little bit of follow-through. And I do understand the counter-argument that the player's now actually injured as a result of the tackle. So (laughs) it's probably quite meaty. But... It's a contact sport, man. Jesus. Yeah, it's not not red. Um, And with the John Joe stuff, with Ali... I was actually quite surprised. Yeah, I've, I've, you call have... him Ali then as if his name's Alistair and he's like a public school boy whose Ali. friends call him Ali. 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 <laughs> he, uh, they, uh, I've often kind of held Newcastle fans in a fairly decent regard, but I think they fell into the kind of tin pot category in terms of the whole booing and the charade around Ali because I know he can be a little shit and I know he's irritating and I do quite like having a player that is disliked by other fan bases in a way because it just it means he's good unless he's like a scumbag which Charlie has a shame. exactly it generally means he's a good player 
But a lot of the booing and uh, the kind of crap he was getting from the home fans, I didn't really see why. I, did, I didn't really see him. He hadn't done out well, to any of their players or anything. The defence is that could, it's, yeah. it's hard to see that in sort of real time when you're watching it on telly. So in ground, most people probably wouldn't have had their eyes trained on it. And they'll have Fair. probably seen, they'll have not seen, more to the point, what had actually happened. So they'll have thought that he's made a meal out of nothing, having not seen... John Joe size him up and stamp on his fucking leg. So they'll boom in game because they think he's done a fast one and cost them a player and cost them game in real time and ink ground without seeing any footage. But when they'll go home and watch match at day and that, they'll feel a bit silly for it because they'll have seen what he's done and they'll know he's been silly after that. So I think there is some leeway for fans in the ground because you know, we've seen 90 angles of it within 30 seconds in super slow-mo and zoomed up and whatnot and they've either seen it once or they've half seen it or the person next to them's had to tell them what's happened or something. It's not as if things like that can get zoomed up on the uh, big screen or out, is it? So I'm willing to give them a bit of uh, bit of leeway. The ones that really piss me off is when um, there's actually been a bad tackle and you can tell it's been a bad tackle in normal play, so there's no excuse for having missed it. And somebody's been like um, hurt or something from it and somebody's got a yellow card. Uh, Stoke fans are quite good for this. And then they'll boo the player that's got hurt because for some reason their player's got in trouble for him putting in a shit tackle. That's the more fucked up one for me. This one, because it was sort of off the ball and it was a bit more snide and, you know, John Joe was trying to make sure nobody saw it. That's the entire point of why he did it. Although he did it right under fucking referee's nose like an absolute bell end. Um, I'm willing to give him a bit of a pass on it, to be honest. Before, because uh, you you know it would have been a perfect segue there, talking of Danny Rose being booed by Stoke fans, to uh, assess a situation where Danny Rose might be getting booed a hell of a lot more by uh, a different fan base. Um, but we will go into that just after this uh, Newcastle chat. I did want to talk very quickly about Carl Walker Peters. Um, I was very impressed by his debut. I, I, what did you make of him, mate? Yeah, um, I thought he was really fantastic. Um... Christian Atsu was probably Newcastle's best player. So to have kept him as quiet as he did was great. And he looked confident. And sort of the conversation we had about Pochettino saying that he wasn't ready and that seemed to be, you know, what we were suggesting as as more of trying to limit the responsibility and pressure on him. Because he was always going to play. And I think that was always the case. I think he's come out and said that, you know, for days they'd been training in that shape. So he, he knew that that was going to be his position. So it was just his manager protecting him, which is well within his rights to do. But he did everything perfectly fine. He went forward well. He looked sort of attentive in defence, which is what you need. And. You know, if he if he comes on the way that other young players have under Pochettino, then there's no reason why he can't be challenging Trippier and and being another fullback in that sort of Pochettino fullback finishing school that he seems to be setting up. Um, so I was, I, yeah, I was really impressed. The one thing that sort of soured it for me is that the Peters jokes with sort of the shit jokes that are followed and the memes and that are a bit like tiresome now like after the first one and Danny Rose Peters or whatever that was all right but when you're still doing it with people who don't even play for Tottenham and different fucking teams and positions entirely and whatnot it's it's just not funny anymore Neymar Peters and all that sort of shit yeah, yeah, yeah. I've all, seen a few of those you've seen is just yeah. terrible I've probably contributed to it mate so <laughs> no I, I haven't directly with this one 
Um, but I do know what you mean. I, I uh, you know, I, it, it's one game, right? It's one game, but there's a hell of a lot of pressure on the lad. Everyone's going to have been looking at him, and that's that's what's quite telling for me. Um, I mean, technically speaking, he was sound. That that's obviously the important part, but more so on top of that, it's just just his mentality to be able to step into that, knowing that Trippier's out, knowing that we've just sold Kyle Walker, like a, a high profile. Uh, transfer at that going to one of our rivals and there's been so much talk about it and talk about the lack of Tottenham investing in new talent for him to step into that kind of atmosphere and perform the way he did I thought was was brilliant um so long may it continue and uh good luck to the lad because I, I think he uh you know he he he, he I thought stylistically actually he he looks a bit more um similar to a Trippier-style defender than he does Kyle Walker, actually, which I was quite surprised about because I can't I can't attest uh, to having seen Kyle Walker-Peters play that much um, prior to this. I saw a bit of the Under-20 World Cup. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I did think he was more a bit of a boom-and-bust kind of uh, winger like you have with Kyle Walker. But he does seem to be... I don't know, he seems to be a bit more Ben Davies, a bit more Kieran Trippier, a bit I think more you kind have of measured to, um, in his play. And... You have to be the fastest man on pitch to get away with what Kyle Walker does. And that's not mm. to say that his only defensive attribute is the fact that he's really quick. But Yeah, of course. When you're not as quick, you have to be smarter about it because you've got less time to do things. And um, So that part of his game and the fact that he is as assured as he is is fantastic to see. You touch on Ben Davies as well on the other side. He's coming on fantastically, and he is. You know, he really is. Danny Rose hasn't played in months, and to be honest, there's not been that many occasions where we've missed him. I think Mane turned him inside out, but Mane will do that to most people. Um, and there are wingers you'll come across who will take the piss out of a fullback because, on occasion, they're just you know good performances that you can't really stop. You know, but Mane's an exceptional player, right? Yeah, that's 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 why he's so sought after. Exactly. Well, these things happen. I mean, if you or at least Law did. We, if you cash your mind back to when Gareth Bale first emerged in the Champions League, Mykon was what the best right back in the world, and then he became yeah. a meme because this young kid out of nowhere took the piss out of him because he had pace and and sort of confidence. So once he'd beaten him, wants to do it again. So. It's it's one of those things where it'll happen every now and again. Nobody's completely infallible. We've seen Alderweire all make mistakes, not many, but they're there. Um, same with Vertonghen. They've pretty much ironed out of his game. I think he's... The the gap that was there between the two of them, quality-wise, in Alderweire's first season has, has quickly been shut, in my opinion. I don't think... Hugely, hugely agree with you there. It was less of a conversation before about who was the better of the two. And I think it's probably still Alderweire by a nose, but it's a photo finish. It's not, you know, cut and dry anymore. And I think that's testament to Vertonghen for sort of being the one who has upped his game to to make that defence better. And to be honest, the one thing I've noticed about Vertonghen in the past couple of seasons is he seems to be really enjoying his role as sort of a club statesman like yeah. his he, the way he talked about Spurs and what we do and things at that Sky Sports Premier League launch and whatnot is always fantastic the quotes and the way he, he handles himself in the media is always great and he, he seems to have a, a level of pride and affection for the club that 
is is really endearing and I don't think it's one that that many players would have or I'm not sure it's shared throughout the entire squad Harry Kane's an obvious example of somebody who does that and I think Lloris on occasion can speak that way about Pochettino specifically but the way that Vertonghen sort of talks about how he feels as a Tottenham player is is really heartwarming and I think that shows in the way he performs for the club as well you would almost say you'd be pretty surprised were he to, I don't know, arrange some sort of clandestine meeting with a Sun journalist and slag off his teammates, slag off the manager, slag off the way the clubs run in a public fashion two days before the season starts, wouldn't you? I mean, we. It, I think it was just breaking, wasn't it, without um, knowing who the player was the last time we recorded and then it quickly became apparent it was Danny Rose. Those f- photos of him with the Sun journalist with his dictaphone in his hand, um, like the, the bloke, like barely concealing a chubby in his pants. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Do you see him? His state of his like clammy, like red face, slobbering at the bit, holding that dictaphone. Like they just, uh, it was rancid. The whole thing. It was a really, was really disappointing thing because we've said it since, but. You know, Danny Rose was one of the most well liked and loved players in the Tottenham squad. He's probably our longest yep. serving player now. He didn't play for five years at the start, but he's been on the books for longer than anyone else, I'm right in thinking. Um, but it wasn't necessarily what he said that annoyed exactly. me. It's the, the manner in which it was delivered, the fact that it had to come out in this Sun exclusive. I mean, the only way it could have got any worse was if he went to the Daily Mail. Um, and the only reason he probably didn't go there is because they probably didn't want to speak to a black footballer because they spent too long <laughs> slagging him off beforehand. So he went to the the next shittest place on the list and went to the Sun. Um, and and cheek of sort of sort of stuff he's had to say in public is that their issues that had they leaked and it come out that oh Danny Rose has had these concerns privately to Pochettino he's, he's wanted to raise these to Levy and and whatnot he would have probably been hero worshipped even more for that you know because their thoughts and concerns that chime with the fan base it's not as if mm-hmm. the things he said are things that we're not aware of or they're news to us or you know it's not something we've been not been saying for years or what have you. I think we we sat there and we talked about the word structure for about fucking half an hour last week, and you know it'd be odd for us if we suddenly went out and goes what's what's his right to complain about it or whatnot and yeah, all of that sort of shit. But the fact that you go behind the club's back clearly, you go behind the manager's back who has made you a footballer because you would be in the championship with Sunderland right now if if he didn't come into your career, which is the the thing that ups <laughs> up. <laughs> This is it, right? It's it's that. It, there's a couple of things I, I disagree with what he said, but that in particular, his whole Spurs fans and the media all act like I wasn't a good player before Pochettino arrived. You were, you were dog shit. You weren't, lads. Exactly. You weren't good. You weren't good at all. You were useless. And he made you a quality player. You were what a young player of the season at Sunderland. Is that what he thinks is a good sign of his sort of progression? Because that was the the ceiling of his talent back then until Pochettino taught him how to defend and attack. And essentially 
you know, we, we say it every time. But when to make a run, where to make a run to, how to exploit space, how to pull the opposition defense. Yeah. How to, you, you know, just so much stuff, so much fundamental stuff that he does so well now is all directly attributable to Pochettino. Because before then, he was just a bog standard, you know, left sided sort of wing back that well, could do a job. But most people, the summer that he was. Um, that Pochettino came into the club, most people were happy to see Danny Rose go because he'd been shit under Sherwood. And unlike the other players who'd been shit under Sherwood, he had nothing previously other than that one goal against Arsenal to show for himself being able to play football properly. So if he's arguing that there's no correlation between his form and the manager coming in, then his head's even further up his ass than his interview suggests. And it's sort of the things he said weren't even cleverly stated. It wasn't as if there was a way of doing that interview and doing it with the people he did where he could have hinted at things and still got away with it. But mm-hmm. but wording things as, as poorly as he did sort of the, Oh, I have to Google who comes in at club. Mate, when you joined fucking Tottenham, we had to Google who you were. Do you think we know lead reserves are? It's, it's weird. It's, it's, I, I, I mean, it's, you, you you can understand you know, it's it's a clunky point he's making, right? I mean, it's I I, I don't know the bloke, and I, I don't really like to kind of do this like exercising a bigotry of low expectation, falling into that oh he's just a stupid footballer thing. But if we're just taking it on face value, that it's a point lacking nuance that he's sort of said it for for effect, as it were. Um, that it's not that that excuses it, but. I can kind of get around what he's saying in the, in so much as he wants to see us go for some established players, like established players that are coming for a, for a large amount of money that aren't going to be a project that aren't going to be someone that we're going to have to develop. But as, as you're saying there, which is so true, look, lad, if that was the case, if we were that type of club, your career wouldn't be where it is now, you know, that, and that's, that's, that's the cold reality of it. And, the other, I, I, the other uh, thing is, I, I, if we were going what? out and buying big name talent every window, and he thinks that his wage is still going to increase as a result, you get pushed further down the pecking order of a result. So it's a case of being careful what you wish for as well. Because if we'd went out this summer and bought three or four players for 40, 50 million, or even more than that in this market, and all slapped them on 150, 200 grand a week contracts. The same deal for Danny Rhodes is going to be even further away because there's less of a priority to give him that money because he's less of a priority to the club. So it's almost as if he he lacks the awareness of his current position enough to appreciate how far he's come in his own career and why that was the worst. Because it's not as if, if he'd have given this interview while he was in the middle of one of his best periods of form as well, it would have been slightly more understandable. But this club is sort of, it's in the middle of rehabilitating you from an injury that was supposed to be minor to what has become severe, which is a pattern that's followed him around. Do you remember when he had fucking turf toe for about six years? It's like we used, it was like a fucking meme on this podcast. Yeah. It, but th- this is, this isn't, this is a, a perfect point that you raise though, in so much as, when he was flying and in the best form of his career at Tottenham, that's when he signed the contract that is now apparently, if he says he knows his worth, why has he gone and signed a contract when he is at the peak of his powers that is now such a slap in the face to him? But, uh, I mean, 
to me, I, I don't think it's something we really need to pick apart that much. To, to me, it's 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 very it's very simple. It's that he's got the same agent as Carl Walker. He now knows how much Carl Walker earns. He knows he's not going to get that at Tottenham, and he knows Chelsea or Man United will probably pay out for him. So the other he's thing just, is, he's, um, he's burning the house down, mate. He wants to go. All that's, of his, that, um, that's the only way I can look. All at of it. his friends are in the north, and I know from sort of hearing things and, and whatnot that when there's a northern game he will stay behind so if we play one of the manchester clubs he will stay behind so he can see all his his, yeah. his mates and go out up here because he prefers it um and that's well within his rights i mean you know it would it would be beneficial to my work if i moved to london but i know that <laughs> i i enjoy yorkshire too much to ever go elsewhere and it, clearly he values that this end of the country as well so mm. it's it's one of those things where if it, if it was about sort of lifestyle and whatnot, then he could tell that to the club. But there's clearly some sort of poor advisement in there as well because the weak statement <laughs> that was released afterwards sort of completely taking the legs out of his argument and making him look even worse for having done it um, was really poor. Um, so it's just a... A poor show from from start to finish. Um, I'd be surprised he ever plays at Tottenham again, mate. Honestly, I, I know, I'm not saying that in terms of do I want him to ever play for Spurs. I, I, yeah, he's a great player, but I don't think he wants to be there, and I I don't really want this type of circus around our team. You know, I'd rather we got rid and you know got our 50, 60 mil for him, and perhaps Marshall the other way or whatever. I don't know what can be worked out on that side of things. Um, but to me, the the important thing is that we need a, we need a direct replacement for him, though. And it, it doesn't matter if it's someone that's good enough to step in yet. Ben Davies now is first team, but Ben Davies needs some backup if we, you know, he needs if some competition, and when yeah, Danny Rose goes, he him. does. He needs, he he needs, needs his that. own Ben Davies. He needs the Ben yeah. Davies that pushed Danny Rose to become better. But did you see those figures that um, Sporting Intelligence, Nick Harris, released about do Tottenham pay poorly, sort of building on from this? Yeah, 11th 11th highest wage bill in Europe, which was interesting. We already knew that, but it was the percentage thing that was sort of really interesting to me because obviously breaking it down into that minutia, you need access to facts and figures that we don't necessarily have, but obviously... I I know everything. ...can be researched into, but having a look into sort of the ratios of which clubs sort of pay what percentage of their income and revenue and whatnot into transfers, it's around 50%. And that's what Spurs currently pay. It's a healthy ratio for sort of a well-run club is what it says in the article. Um, Man United is 47, Man City is 50, and Arsenal's is 56%. If he was to have the same ratio of what Arsenal pay of their income at Spurs, his wage would go from 65 to 724 so it's not as if, you know, if he went to another club and was asking for, you know, the same slice of the pie that he's getting at Spurs, he would get that. It's almost as if he doesn't realise, and to an extent, people who are expecting Spurs to click their fingers overnight and be able to pay $200 million, that that is a different amount of money to us than it is to another club. And the fact yeah. that you can put you put them in a league table and say that Spurs are what? 12th in the entire world not not entire world but Europe because there'll be somebody in China playing has been fucking 600 grand a week or something but it's 
it sort of it puts into perspective the conversation that we had last week even more of it's going to be a gradual thing that the club build on to do because you know four or five years ago Danny Rose wouldn't have been paying 65 grand 65 grand would have been what we paid our top earners when he joined the club like Robbie Keane and Dimitar Berbatov will have been on something comparable to that and that will have yeah. been yeah, yeah. our top end and now it's sort of our comfortable area and it's it's strange to me that he can't look across the, the dressing room and go, do I mean as much to this club as Harry Kane does? And go, no. Am I as good as him? No, I'm probably about half as good, really, in this grand scheme of things. And I probably mean about half as much to this club as he does. How much is he on? What, 110, 100 thing? 100, uh, yeah, about 105, 110 a week. Am I on just over half of that? Yeah, I am, even more so. So am I really that... But- but this is it, though, mate. This is why I don't think it's so much... I don't think it's not that he hasn't thought about this. I think the reason why he's gone about this the way he has is to force the club's hand because he knows. He knows this. He's been advised this. He knows he's never going to get the type of money. Carl Walker was never going to get the type of money he's getting now at City. What's he on, about 180 grand a week now at City? He's, he, he wasn't going to get that at Tottenham, but he will get that at Man United or somewhere. He's... Probably just thinking, you know, I am injury prone. I don't know how long my career is going to be. While there's a lot of talk about me, while there is interest from United or Chelsea, fuck it, let's do it. Let's burn this down. Let's burn all the bridges. Let's force it. And I, 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 I truly believe that's what it is. That's why I'm not really in a rush to see him back in a Spurs shirt. And I don't think he will be. And let's let's be brutally honest here. Although a lot of this is hyperbole and. You know, speculation. There's not a fucking chance Pochettino has been kind to him after that, mate. Not at all. You know, Poch isn't Poch isn't going to tolerate that type of behaviour from all a player. The other players used to call him Poch's son as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's something there. He he really was a project for him, wasn't he? And I, I think Poch has been very fond of him, spoken very endearingly of him in the past. Um, and you know, whatever. Danny Danny Rose has his own. As his own, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too down on the lad's character. I understand that everyone's got their own sort of, you know, their own path to tread, and you know, at the end of the day, it's his career and it's it's his legacy and what have you. Um, it's going to piss us off because Spurs mean the world to us, but you know, to to him, it's the chance to, you know, or at least he perceives the chance to go on and earn more money and maybe win something that he's not going to win at Spurs, which I would contest but you know he's he's made his decision so fair play to the lad if he goes he goes like but he's you know it's, it's just it's that it's like you say he's he was he was genuinely i feel like a fucking child for going off on this sort of note but he was honestly even though we've got kane and the like danny rose is probably my favorite player in the team and you know he's not anymore <laughs> you can say that you can say that for sure but uh there was a way of him leaving the club and making the points he did and doing this that he would have been applauded and cheered on his return. Um yeah. because there's an, it's under- be horrific there's an now. understanding there. But now he's he's going to be treated as badly as we treat just about anyone because he turned his back on the club that made him. And that won't be forgotten and nor should it be. No. Um 
Fucking fuck the pair of them. Walk around Moros. Carl Walker's leaving the club now. Seems like a fucking dream situation. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. He, he never came he, out he and acted like a dickhead. Yeah, he? he did a nice video on that. Can you imagine Danny Rose releasing a nice video now? He'll be called a cunt a million times over. <laughs> that video was wet as, though, Carl Walker's little, yeah. But it, was, powerful, it came from a good place. Even yeah. when we were hearing that sort of other players had, had ostracised him, he got sent on that donkey trip to... <laughs> where was it South Korea with Son Wimmer and Ben Davies yeah. who are the the unpopular kids who sit at the fucking front of the coach next to the manager that's the sort of you know the ones who've got pocket protectors and have their lunch stolen off them that's what they are in the Tottenham squad you can imagine Son like knocking on Carl Walker's door in the middle of the night please can you come and help me find Kev I think he's eating again yeah, you know them go like Carl being like fuck's sake having to drive searching all the fucking fast food joints yeah. Son, maniacally texting on his phone. Come on, Kev, don't do it. You don't need it. Those you don't three are need up in it. the middle of the night. Oh, Kyle, do you want to come play Dungeons and Dragons with us? Oh, fuck off, lads. But, <laughs> but that sort of we're having a FIFA tournament in our room. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's been put up. We're all going to watch porn together. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he really is. Um, Kev touched a girl's boob the other night. You know, but, um... did he? <laughs> what, what, what was it like? <laughs> that... It's probably a bit unfair on them, but that's sort of what they are in the context of the Tottenham squad. They're not the cool ones. Um, You're not, are they? No. The cool ones, it's Ali and Dyer sat at the back of the bus taking piss out of everyone else. Into- oh, they, you know they terrorise everyone as well, those two. They so, must do. So it's, you know, that's where he was sent to. It's no mistake that he left the club soon afterwards because we knew what was happening and sort of he just got pushed out of the picture, really. Oh, mate, there's a short film to be made out of that trip. <laughs> well, it it's like, maybe, I'll dust up, maybe I'll dust off the old uh, anime. It's like super bad, isn't it? Ben Davies is yeah. not loving. Um, but um, <laughs> that's sort of what had happened to him, but he still managed... <laughs> well, he still managed to, to leave on like a good enough terms um, that, you know, he could release his video and stuff, but it's never going to happen for Rose now. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. To be a fly on the wall. Anyway, in short, too long didn't read. Danny Rose, fuck off. Don't let the door hit you on the <laughs> way out, mate. Um, oh, should we do some questions? Yeah, can do. Yeah. Or should we talk? We haven't got a Chelsea guest this week, by the way. They're all scum. You don't want to listen to them being <laughs> smug anyway. Do you know what I mean? They beat us in the fucking cup. They beat us in the league. Yeah, you, like, you don't well, want to make us fucking sit here for half an hour and ask them about it. What was it like beating Tottenham last year? Exactly. Like, you know, no, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that. Um, but such as it was last week that I felt quite grim about the scoreline and predicted that we're going to lose. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I actually feel pretty good about this, Chelsea. Now, it's not just a knee jerk off of the back of the Burnley result. I know, this is what I'm saying. Um, so, what do you... I mean, Conte apparently is is from what I've read anyway, is is often at his best when his back's to the wall in situations like this. He's facing a lot of injuries and such. Um, can you see him doing well against us here? Because they've got, what, Cahill's out. they got Hazard, who's going to be half fit if he can figure at all for anything in the game. It's fucking ripe for that little prick to come off the bench and score a blinder, though, isn't it, really? Um, they've got all the stuff with Costa going on. Batshuayi looks muck but you know let's not tempt fate on that one even though i've just done that uh who else are they missing they've got some of fabregas's out which is a shame because it would have been nice yeah i don't i don't get that i don't get that at all i think it's just because they had four or five players in the similar sort of position and your back of your call is going to be there and whatnot so i fucking flog into united though why flog into any arrivals well we could say the same of us as car walker couldn't we really but Everyone's got a price, haven't they? But uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm less confident because I, I know that every time you're ever overconfident about Tottenham doing something, something yeah. fucks up. So I'm wary of them. They're not they've not turned into a shit team overnight, and there is a a way of them doing a job on us because Conte clearly knows how to do a job on us after that semi final. Um, and it'll be about how we adjust to that, really, because we showed that we knew how we could beat them in the home game before that. So they're quite evenly matched. They're definitely not as good as they were last year. The players they're missing is going to hurt them. There's no doubt about that. I think there is an added bit of pressure on us, given it's first game at Wembley and it's sort of top two from last season meeting for the first time. It's it's one of the two's way of, you know, Chelsea can rescue their season by putting on a show against Spurs and Spurs can really lay down a marker and, and set out a statement of intent again here. Because one thing that we didn't note about Newcastle is that, you know, people have made a lot about the fact that nobody's come through the door yet. But that's been less so this week because we won. And if we'd have lost or drawn against Newcastle and the performance hadn't been as good, then what had been a stick to beat as well would have turned into a nuclear bomb's worth, which is topical mm. for the moment. Um, it does show you how, well, you know, no shit, Sherlock, yeah, but it does show you. Know, fuck. Well, yeah, this reactionary nature of things. Um, I mean, my sort of take on that still is, a, is it's great, and it's, it's, it's great that our first team is obviously still brilliant and can produce and grind out a result against a team like Newcastle away, which is it's a, it is a tough opening fixture to have away at St. James's Park. It was until John Joe was a dickhead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cheers for that, John Joe. But it, it doesn't take away from the fact that we get a couple of injuries. We are a bit fucked, probably. So would be nice. I mean, we, we, there's this talk about Davinson Sanchez coming in. I don't really know an awful lot about him. I watched Ajax about five times last year, and I won't say he stood out um, when I was watching, but probably wasn't looking for him, to be honest. Um, I was watching more like Justin Cliver, Dolberg, those type of players, which are you know, pretty handy. But... Um, I mean that'll be that'll be all right. I don't really know who else. I mean, again, there's Baldy and such. I think we're still being linked to the Lazio lad. Is that um, what you're saying, Baldy? 
Yeah, I'm sort of saying. I said last week I'm going to call him Baldy because you know. Is it not Baldy? It's ba- it's ba- I'm sure it is Baldy, but I, you know, I just amused myself by saying Baldy. Cause, you know, getting on a bit, it's mate. Like it's this sort Steve of Mooney at Huddersfield, he's he's now Mooney because he's in West Yorkshire when it's Mooney. Is how you pronounce <laughs> it. But now, you know, predictably Mooney. Is he that? Is he that bald lad as well? He's a bald. Aaron he's an actual boy, isn't he? Who's the actual bald lad? It looks like he's ready. He's just walked out of a Charlottesville march. Aaron Moy. Oh, that's him. Yeah. I probably shouldn't slate the players like that, should I, when you're on good terms with them and working with them like that? Uh, nothing, I don't think they're going to listen to this, mate. That's all right. I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> you, uh... Aaron Moy is actually one of the shyest men you'll ever meet in your life if you ever have the pleasure. He's sort of, if you think of what an atypical Australian at the top of his game, the most expensive Australian that's ever kicked a football. Imagine what you'd think he would be. And then the opposite. Uh, that's what Aaron Moy is like. He's a really interesting bloke. Um, really fantastic footballer as well. Why sort of, you know, he if you're going to spend money on a midfielder that's going to change your team, that's who Everton should have gone for rather than fucking Gilfie Sigurdsson. No, mate, you're not allowed to say anything about Gilfie Sigurdsson. He's better than Christian Eriksson. If you think Chris, if you think Gilfie Sigurdsson is better than Christian Eriksson, you need to give your head a wobble. Stop listening to this podcast. Stop watching fucking football. Because you, <laughs> <laughs> you clearly don't understand what's in front of you. S- s- stop breathing. That's maybe a bit That's harsh. a bit harsh, yeah. But he, there's no... Seriously. Probably to be kind, mate. Tell it like it is. It's it's one of those things. It's it's really strange. Um, it's sort of people who... It's like, an, it's like an Alex Jones conspiracy theory, mate. It's, it's, I was going to say, it's sort of people who like think um, Coldplay are the best band in the world or... Um, like if you ask them what their favourite film is, they'll say Transformers or something like that. It's a Marvel yeah. film. No, no, yeah, it'd be, it'd be Avengers Assemble or something like the that. The second one, not the first one, the second one, because it's even bigger. Yeah. yeah. That type of person is what I think Sigurdsson's better. It winds me up just because he's, he's not a bad footballer, but he's... Severe. No, he's not. That's it. He's not bad. And when you criticise him, it's not to say he's bad. He is good. He's just he's severely limited. And he just like Christian. I mean, we didn't even talk about it. Christian Eriksen was fucking spectacular against Newcastle. Yeah, head and as well. shoulders, the best player on the park. Oh, mate, just not even close. Like he's really. If he keeps this up, this is when it is a case of right. He's off to. Well, maybe not Barca. They look a bit spent at the moment, but he's off to. Spending it all on Polina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see his unveiling? His keeper. I could do more well. fucking kickups than that. Jesus, and he did the, the thing is, it was so Paulinho in the respect that he fucked it up, and he didn't even give a shit either. <laughs> he just sort of laboured after the ball, picked it up, and was like, eh. you know, just oh. the revisionism around him as well—that he actually was somehow a good player for Tottenham. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. There's no nuance to it. He was terrible. <laughs> I don't care. I, don't, I, I just, I'm going Alex Jones now. I am. I'm shouting. You're going to rip I'm, your I'm, shirt I'm, off. Rip my shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> and start talking about interdimensional rapists and stuff like that <laughs> whatever he, he's fucking oh mate the shit he comes out with but yeah um, that, that's that's not me actually making a rape joke by the way there's some big weird he went on if you listen to the old joe rogan podcast last year they had alex jones on and he had a fucking meltdown halfway through alex this jones podcast. Had a meltdown. that doesn't sound like it yeah oh but mate this was this was <laughs> something like because Rogan's whole shtick with him was like, look, you know, we know you play up to this stuff, but, you know, come on. Give us one of the most outlandish theories that you actually truly believe. And he fucking started going off on this thing about 
paedophile rapists that do this stuff because it means that they can inhabit different dimensions and mate it was i, I don't even i don't know how you can listen or sit through that because yeah. I, I imagine coming from our perspective it'll be really like sort of funny and you know morbidly sort of curious to see exactly how crackpot this girl bloke is but i sort of look at him the same way i would do like maybe experimenting with heroin because i can tell that i'd probably enjoy it but i know it's not good for me like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I don't the same way. I don't want that in my system. I don't want him in my brain. <laughs> like, I, totally understandable. Because the, the but the other thing is as well, mate. Is that at first you start listening to this and then you start uh, believing we, it. We, you start going no, down. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, I do appreciate we're going on a tangent here, but you start listening to this, and at first you're quite like, yeah, ah, oh, this is quite funny. This is a bit bantery and whatever, and then what starts to creep into the back of your mind and then slowly to the forefront of your mind is, hang on, this is a guy that apparently has a direct line with the president, is on very good terms with Donald Trump. He's got press accreditation for the White House. Right? He has massive, massive influence over, like, huge, huge amounts of people. Alex Jones, Infowars, all that crap with that... What's his? Imagine my shock. <laughs> that that stands in his, you know, the fucking virgin that stands in front of a map in his bedroom, talking about how. Oh, mate, he's a ah oh, god. Honestly, if there's if there's one person that you got the opportunity to land with a clean one, like yeah, I'd love to so much. And I'm not even trying to do that in the oh big man, oh big man behind his keyboard. Like truly, I'd 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 love to lay one on him. Honestly, I hate that bloke so much. Um, I don't know who that I was, pick. That was a big tangent. Who would be my pick for like one big smack? I'm not sure. Let me think on it. Me? No, no, no. I didn't mean let me think on it right now. That's going to be a All lot right. of dead air, but I'll come back to you once yeah, I've popped in. I was going to say the list. You're going to have a fucking list longer than Arya Stark, mate. You are. Yeah. Um, Probably the same, some- same on other end. I, th- I imagine I'm a few on a few of them list. Me send. <laughs> um, what's uh, what's your prediction? Um, I will tentatively say score draw. Score draw. Uh, two nil Tottenham. Two nil. I take that. Mm, two nil Tottenham. It's Back been interesting because um, I think it was Moussa Dembele in the summer who said that they've been working on a different way of playing football specifically catered to the the bigger pitch and sort of the way that Wembley plays because they can't play their same game that they would do at White Hart Lane there because it's just a different way of playing. And I think the the new pitch at the new stadium is going to be the same dimensions as it will be at Wembley because I think if it's a new stadium or you can, you have to cater to specific dimensions now. I think they're at the top level they're trying to make sure that all pitches are the same because if you remember a few years back when Stoke first came up, Tony Pulis was having his dimensions redrawn game by game, depending on who he had. So if his opposition had really good wingers, he'd have his touchline taken in as far as possible and stuff like that. So um, it's just, um, it's probably not a bad thing to be playing on that size of pitch because they've got a year now, whatever happens to get used to it, because that's what they're going to have when they go back to what is going to be home. Apparently, one of the one of the things um, that we've got this year, and I, I, I'm I'm stealing this from 
uh, a lad called Jim at Stylish Riot. There you go. You've got your credit, you weasel. Um, Do you actually know apparently... him? Just calling out randoms. No, no, he's 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 all right. I, I wouldn't say good lad, but he's you know, <laughs> he's okay. He um, apparently we although we don't have the right to change the size of the pitch, we are our groundsmen are allowed to treat the pitch in the same way we treat White Hart Lane. So it's uh, it's the grass is a certain length. There's a certain amount of water applied to it that we weren't allowed to do last year um with the agreement we had for the champions league and cup games but because we're there all season yeah so apparently we yeah we'll probably be able to knock the ball about a lot more cleanly and slickly as we did with white Hart lane which apparently is a big thing that Wembley has been an ongoing joke since that stadium was built because i think they've relayed it once or twice a year for a long time mm. because it just couldn't get it to stay like it would turn constantly it would you know, do you think it's because it's so massive i don't, I don't, like, I don't know anything about well, this i don't type think of it's picture. i actually don't think it's a that bigger pitch in terms of playing surface because as i said there's a standardized measure for what pitches should be at that level so I'm not entirely... I think it's probably... You know, they're synthetic and there's mm. different ways of bedding it in and whatnot. Whoever probably looks after that Wembley pitch, whatever groundsman it is, probably isn't very good at what he does. Because I imagine it's really hard having to have one pitch for 80 different sports. and then But in between those 80 different sports, you're going to have... Lady Gaga come and play a show and you've got to stick fucking plastic over the top of it and 100,000 people are going to come trample on it and then you've got to take that off and you've got, I don't know, NFL the next week and, you know, 600 overweight men are going to pounce about on it. (laughs) So, yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, it is, but hopefully, hopefully that will help us out a bit. Um, And either way, we probably need to get used to playing on a bigger pitch anyway, don't we? That's because uh, the, the pitch in the new stadium is going to be bigger. So, you know, that's that's that really. Yeah. Um, let's do some questions then. Um, let's look, we'll start on this one because it's it's a pretty serious topic. Um, we can end on some of the more lighthearted ones. Um, we've had one from at Chicago Spurs and where's uh, our local neo Nazi chapter? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at Nelson and Saha. Um, they both asked the same question in reference to Serge Aurier, who we've been linked to. Um, essentially, what our thoughts are on signing a player with a checkered pass such as he has. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, there was uh, it's, it's not even an accusation. He periscoped himself, I believe, making some pretty homophobic comments about Lauren Blanc um, and what he gets up to with... Slatan Ibrahimovic. Um, I mean, uh, there's no real question of the fact that sort of the language he's used is reprehensible. And given that there's not even been anything as a, you know, he, Aurier did apologize after the fact um, about the fact he'd insulted his manager and a teammate, but it wasn't about the fact that he'd been kind of outwardly homophobic in such a, flippant fashion um so there's no real uh, given added to the fact he's gone on and assaulted a police officer as well and argue uh, questionably might not even be able to come into the country as a result of that yeah he's having visa uh, issues isn't he yeah i i mean it's just not something i'd really like to validate by signing and 
cheering this lad on, to be honest. If he's going to sign, we should unveil him draped in the LGBT Spurs flag, hugging a copper. Um, I'm only joking. No, it it really does leave a bad taste in your mouth because we often talk about sort of how proud we are of the way the club represents us as fans and, you know, peers from the outside looking in and the reason we get so much positive press and, and are sort of revered as a club to base yourself off as if as an up-and-comer. Like, nobody's telling Everton or Swansea or Southampton or try and be like Chelsea or Man United or Man City or something because they're not models you can follow unless you get a shitload of money in. But Spurs is something you can aspire to be because there's a way of building it up intelligently. And part of that is the fact that the club is so well thought of. And I don't think having some violent homophobe down the right wing is a great look. Um, and it's something that the, the club aren't really going to be able to hide from because if that behaviour is repeated or they're asked directly about it, it would look entirely poor on them if they were to try and brush it under the carpet or, you know, give you some weird platitude about moving on and shit like that. So it's it's one of those things. I, I think to a certain extent, people need to be given a second chance and, you know, people can change, people make mistakes and, and all them sorts of things. But as you point to, there's been no no sort of uh, hints or, or change in his character that's been apparent enough to suggest that he doesn't believe in the things he said or, you know, he, he isn't the same man he once was. So I, I think this is, this is, this is what's important, isn't it? Because I do, I see, I see arguments either way. I've seen a, a lot of people talking about this this week. And, you know, I think as much as people can say to, to one side, you know, people deserve a second chance and, uh, you know, do you hold someone's past misgivings against them forever? It, it, it is a difficult it is a difficult topic and it's it's probably something that we could do an entire podcast about um i mean for the for the first part i would probably say that you know as we've already touched on the fact there has been no sort of reparation or anything from the player any kind of sign that he is actually apologetic or even realizes what he's done wrong is pretty poor um and you know i guess i i also see this argument that you don't want to why why should you give a bigot the benefit of the doubt which i i totally agree with when people say you know he's 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 just maybe he's an idiot and he said this and he doesn't realize it or that for example this is it's reflective of a problem within a wider society because i've seen you know perhaps people say if it was a player who for example was like vardy who had been racist the conversation wouldn't be where it is now and you know i think it's it's a false equivalency i think you're playing a dangerous game when you start comparing crimes and you start doing this kind of thing but either way the fact that you know if 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 it is felt that there is some kind of disparity between the way in which a racist incident and homophobic incident is dealt with it is it's more reflective of a problem within society so it probably feels unfair to rest that on the shoulders of a player like Aurier because I mean the argument has been that he didn't actually direct his abuse at uh, at say anybody that was homosexual for example I, I don't I'm not for a second saying that takes away from it but I, I do understand perhaps there's some nuance to that the, the most important thing for me though on this is that this isn't confined to an issue with just the individual this isn't just about Aurier's thoughts and it isn't just about Aurier's actions 
although they may prove to be the catalyst of this wider discussion, that's exactly what this does open up, though, is a wider discussion. And to let somebody into the team to advocate them as somebody that is of the moral character, not just of their you know, footballing ability, of the type of character that we want to have in this team. Because we have spoken about, the club have openly communicated at many points in this season and the closed season that they only want to have the right type of characters and the right type of people within this tight-knit squad. And I think to have somebody that has been on record using that type of language in the past, it, it doesn't reflect well on the club. And it, if anything, it emboldens and it validates some pretty appalling opinions that are still rife within society. And are still, after you know, speaking to, to Chris from LGBT Spurs this summer um, and talking to her about sort of some of the issues that they still face and some of the things that she still hears at games, it's still just a problem that before we give Serge Aurier the benefit of the doubt that maybe it is a misstep in his part, that's just something he's going to have to live with. He has made that mistake for now. And until I feel that society's in a better place where we are you know, more educated as a whole and you know, things are less reactionary and people are willing to see that words have consequences and that words do hold power. Words really hold power. That something that to you just is just a mean flippancy to somebody else is is appalling and it's it, it is oppression it's something they have to live with and I'm, i i know i'm rambling here but basically no I, w- I wouldn't want serge Aurier here and i do appreciate that it is a big conversation to be had like we could say it's it's uh it's a podcast's worth of material um but i hope you know i've managed to convey my feelings there without offending everybody which i think to put it in football in terms is a type of player you'd imagine fitting well at chelsea and that's not the type of player you want to fit in at Tottenham. No, you know. Um, I mean, take take. I mean, just take away the little matter of homophobia and all this kind of stuff. The lad's a massive gooner as well. He's got loads of selfies of him everywhere wearing Arsenal shirts. You know, come on, we don't want that. We don't want that in our team, mate. Well, it might that's not even be our, our choice, will it? Because he's got a, what a pending prison contract on uh, not contract prison um, sort of legal case about isn't it assault as well. So, you know, he might be banged up before we could ever sign him. No, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go on to something a bit more lighthearted. John Benfield at Benfield13 asks, if we finish second, third or fourth with the squad as it is, i.e. no new signings, are we happy or is it a missed opportunity again? I'm I'm very happy to finish in the top four, to be honest with you, John. I, I think given the way the league is at the moment, um, winning the title is definitely not assured. You know, it is. It, we, we've seen how 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 little the margins are to to win the league, right? And I don't think we can just expect because we finished second last year. If we add a few more players to that, then we're going to win. Everyone else is improving around us, um, so it's always going to be a race. It's always going to be a fight. Yes, our chances would be improved if we had signed somebody, perhaps. Um, but then, well, actually, no, that's that's not even an exact science, is it? Because what's to say that these new players don't come and disrupt harmony and affect other people? That we bring in Ross Barkley on a hundred grand a week, and then you do have Vertonghen and 
whoever else saying, why is Ross Barkley on 100 grand a week and I'm still on 70? And the domino effect that that creates. But if we finish second, third or fourth, am I happy? Yes. Don't know about you, Raj. Yeah, I'd go along with that. As long as we're in the conversation uh, in terms of the title and sort of don't really let that slip too much, that momentum slip, then I'm happy because... um, maintaining is almost as hard as progression and I think with with all the variables that this season has had not just internally but externally as well sort of keeping up to that same level being back in the Champions League next year being able to go into that new stadium and have everything as as close-knit as possible that's what I'd, I'd want to see I'm you know um we've talked about the the wage structure and everything if if doing less business in the summer means that over the course of this season the spine of the team all get new deals again and they've all got pay rises that keeps them happy for another season or two, then so be it. I think it's more important that the the first team remains to the standard it is than we try and you know bite off more than we can chew. Um, because the trouble is, we had the best first 11 in the league last season. So while Manchester City can spend 200 million in one summer on right backs and, you know, Man United are buying players, you know, by the dozen, they're doing so because they weren't as good as Tottenham. They're doing that to catch up with us. And our job to stay ahead is far harder than it is to play catch up. So I'm not too concerned where that's, you know, where that is. So it's more about getting in players underneath that level and making sure, as we said previously, that we've got a safety net. If somebody does get injured, we can rotate, we can juggle Mm. and we can make sure that we're not caught out because it would be a disappointment if we were to get a roll on this season and one injury would expose the squad and cause us to to falter because we just hadn't done the the prior planning and the the business necessary to to cover our own asses, which is what I think this this summer window should have been more about than buying a big name or doing anything mm. like that. That's that's not what this team represents. Not that's not what this team is about. We've got big names. We just haven't bought them. Harry Kane has been named in the World Player of the Year nominations. Hugo Lloris is one of the best five goalkeepers in the world, and that's talking conservatively. Toby Alderweire too, in his position. Christian Eriksen in a similar position. Deli Ali's the most exciting young player in world football and if if anybody in the world was to be sold tomorrow he would probably in the in the top 3 transfer fees going because of what he means as a talent <laughs> and age I'm, I'm just quite glad that madrid have got that asensio lad just come through now though because it kind of perhaps takes a bit less of the pressure off of them coming in for him we'll we'll see what happens because to come in for him now, they'll have to think about do we have two hundred million going because yeah. the bar's been set and you know nobody's going to be wanting to sell for less than that now because the way of as we talked last week the way of sort of passing these deals off and saying that you had no other choices if it's a world record fee and world record fee is two hundred million now so if you've got that for Delhi Ali then come along if you've got that and then some. Maybe we can talk about Harry Kane, but it's going to take fucking significantly more than that as well. The 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 marketing, the PR, everything around Daily Alley as well would be, you know, it's just been on be the cover the of roof. GQ, hasn't he? Cover GQ, he's fronting BT Sports thing. He's all over Adidas's like communiques now, mm. everywhere. You know, he's 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 a world star. Um, Brand Daily Alley. 
He is. He is. Um, and that's not in the Russell sense. It's not wandering around the uh, wandering around the Spurs change room. Oh, oh, I'm feeling all discombobulated after that match of association football, chaps. Um, that was my Russell Brand impression. So. It's not one of your better impressions, I'll be honest. Do you not think? No. Oh. <laughs> it's, it sounds more I don't, like I'd, you're doing I'd, a sex pervert voice, which, to be fair... Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I it doesn't sound, uh, sound like him. I think that qualifies as kink shaming now. Kink so. shaming? I've never heard that. Yeah. Have a look, mate. So it's an interesting I'm rabbit hole. I'm not sure I want that on my Google. Um, uh, Robbie Donnellan. This is... Uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up after a couple of questions. At Rob Spurs 13 do we rate Jaffa Cakes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can take them or leave them. I'm not going to sort of. They're not my go-to. Uh, no, they're good though. You wouldn't, you wouldn't turn them away, would you? No, like, but you if, get a... if I'm offered one, then I'll have a go. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not obsessed with them. I tell you, quite decent actually. There's, there's mini Jaffa cakes. Have you ever had those? Uh, I can't say I remember doing so. No. Pretty decent actually. They're good. They come in like little plastic tubs. Like nice. They're nice. I'm quite take it or leave it to be honest with chocolate orange in general. Like depending on what mood I'm in, I'm either happy with it or not. Like I remember one of our family once had a chocolate orange birthday cake and that just weren't for me. But really, see, I really quite like chocolate orange. But if there's like a Terry's chocolate orange banging about, then yeah, I love a, a segment or two. Do you know that I prefer dark chocolate orange? Like Terry's dark chocolate oranges. It's next level, mate. I love it. I'm not. Sh- um, I don't think I've ever had it. My my favorite chocolate is probably Cadbury's Bourneville, the plain chocolate. That's absolutely yeah. fucking banging. It's decent, yeah. And this is uh, it's it's basically like that with a bit of orange in it. So yeah. it's decent. No, I'm sticking to Bourneville, um, mate. No, I love I, dark chocolate, boy. But mate, you got to go up it a bit more than Bourneville. Get one of these nice. Poncy green and black, seventy-five percent cocoa. Okay, Huddersfield, mate. Which... <laughs> oh, mate, come on, Huddersfield's all, all hipster cafes and all that nowadays. The north is uh, the north has become the haven for hipsters. Uh, well, we've got an, a couple of nice coffee shops in Huddersfield. To be honest, it's where I've been. Yeah, mate, I've, I follow you on Instagram, mate. Yeah, well, you can tell I'm writing a book by giving the amount that the only picture I fucking take is of my coffees next to yeah. magazines and that when I'm taking a break. Um, but yeah, it's um. It's good. It's good. I've I've told you before. You should uh, you should think about moving up here. I wouldn't mind, mate. I wouldn't mind God's own country. Um, at uh, at Lee with them with an H in between Lee Bennett um, asks us top five fried snacks. Um, I mean, I I sort of said before this, like you know, maybe just in the potato chip crisp maize snack arena. But I think then you also have to say like you know. You'd call a, a fried snack like portion of onion rings in a pub, wouldn't you? Or yeah. a plate, little thing of potato wedges. That's still a fried snack. So, I mean, I think chip, chips just has to be on there, doesn't it? Yeah. But is it a meal? Chips are kind of a between a meal and a snack, isn't it, really? Depends. You can have a, a portion of chips, can't you? Sort of just something mm. to tide you along. I'll put chips. I think chips got to go on there, to be honest. Mm. I'm not sure. Um I like your I like your top end kettle chips, Tyrrells, all that. Even the same, even like the supermarket own brands. Yeah, you know those sort of fried top end crisps. The fish fingers count because you don't. Yeah, you, in the same way, in the same way that chips do, I would say yeah. But you, you grill them, fingers. don't you? They're not particularly fried, mm-hmm. but they're they're breaded in a manner as if they should be. Interesting. 
This is a big. This is a. He's he's cracked open Pandora's box here. This is. I'll leave. His, I'll leave his fingers to one side just because uh, I think it's it's too much for us two to handle. I think we need a a panel of experts to get to the bottom of that. But um, I'm not sure. Um, I tell you what, I used to have a, a lot when I was in high school. We used to have a, 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 a chippy damp road. Um, within about five minute walk of high school, and when we got to year ten, we were obviously allowed our lunch, and you used to be able for like one pound thirty or something, you could get a portion of uh, chip chop chips and um, curry sauce, and that's what I used yeah, to get, like curry sauce or gravy, um, and then get a balm cake as well next to it, and have a have a have a butty chip butty. See, so would you then? Would you also, if we're talking about like chips, fish fingers, and such? Would you qualify something like vegetable pakora as a snack? Well, it's been, that, uh, it's been, yeah. You're not going to have that for your dinner, then, are you? No, then I'd, I'd definitely put that on yeah, like a fried snack. pakora, definitely on there. It's a fried snack, yeah. Um, have you ever had I mean, a bread? Going all international here, mate. Have you ever had a bread pakora? No, I haven't. They're, they're banging. You can make them at home. Just essentially the same mix you'd use on a on a normal one, but do it on a slice of bread and cut them into like triangles and then fry them up. Fucking amazing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good one. Well, I would just say, I don't know. If he wants to list like crisps, Monster Munch, Skips, Disco, I, we've you done, know, we've, I can't We've do, discussed our favourite crisps before, haven't we? Sort of McCoy's yeah, and uh, Seabrook. McCoy's, yeah. yeah. Something that can hold flavour, ridges. I'll tell you what happened recently that's been controversial in our household is uh, we're a big fan of, uh, you know, them sensations, the posh. Um, yeah, yeah. Things like Thai sweet chili yeah, and all that. The flavour of those that they had that we loved were fiery chipotle, and apparently they've been discontinued. So it's, I don't think I ever even saw those, mate. Well, yeah, they used to be able to get them, and they're really nice, and uh, they're properly Moorish, mate. They're like crack to me. Once I had one, I couldn't stop it. Was, oh, man, it's me with crisps. I just, I can't. I'm not a massive crisp person, though. It's sort of, it's one oh, of those things okay. where. I think my mum is, and she'll she'll have like uh, chips and dips is one of her things to do, like of an of an evening, get a bottle of wine open and chips and dips and all that sort of shit, olives and that. But I'm I'm literally and figuratively a massive crisp person. Yeah, basically. No, I, I the one thing I really like doing um, to discuss yet another thing I used to do for lunch, but uh, when I was in college, we we were down the road from a Tesco Express, and one thing we used to do there was um, buy a pot of hummus and pita bread, and have hummus and pita for his lunch, and that's one thing I really like. If but if you've got it at home, you stick a bit of like sort of Nando's hot sauce in the hummus and mix it up so it's hot hummus, and give the pita a bit of a toasting and cut it into strips. That's absolutely banging. That does sound very good, mate. Trust me, oh, it's, it's the one. It is the one. Mm. Right. Um, I did want. I, do you know what? This week, I did actually want to do a little bit of TV, but we'll save it. We'll what, save what it TV for post Charles. I've been watching Ozark, the Netflix series Ozark. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Youths. I've never heard of it. Really, it's it's pretty decent, mate. The last time you told me that something decent. was decent, it was that girl boss, and the last I heard of it, it had been cancelled after a series. I know, mate. I was living about it. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Girl boss was good, mate. It was. Um, it, but it's it's not. I apparently it's not so much to do with the quality. It's that they fell out with the girl who the series was based upon, oh, right. and it became some sort of like legal wrangling or some other shit. I don't know. Um, but it was decent. It's a good laugh. Um, but Ozark is. I don't know, read some blurb about it at some point. It's uh, yeah, it's well, not look, bad. 
Um, yeah, I've never, I've genuinely, th- I've never heard of it. Game of Thrones as well. They seem to be HBO having a fucking mayor keeping the series. Are, like, you, are you going ahead and watching them? Because I'm not. Because I'm, no, I'm. No, no, no. I can't. I, I want to watch them in proper HD when they come yeah, out. Yeah, that's and... true. No, that's that's my um, reason for it. Is that back in there, I'd have had like within seconds of hearing of a leak, I'd have had them all. But yeah, yeah. Now it's sort of it's because it's especially because it's coming towards end. I sort of I don't. That's wanna, exactly. It. I don't want to hush that. Hush, rush that uh, process along, especially if it's sort of you want to savor them and enjoy them. I don't want to be watching some fucking shitty quality version of it. Some 300 meg pixelated one with like, you know, foreign subtitles at the bottom of it and all that sort of shit. You know, I just, I, I want it on my, on my TV, <laughs> sat on my sofa, big HD wallop. Love it. That's the one. Um, Tits and dragons all over this. Although there's, um, there's there's less tits these days, isn't there? It's almost as if like PC gone mad, mate. That's what it is. Right, we uh, we're gonna wrap it up. You just get you just get kill me there. Is that it, mate? Uh, you're not gonna. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, listen to uh, all the previous episodes of All the Rich Podcast on Acast or on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at rtr underscore pod. Go visit the website, rtrpod.com. Leave us some reviews on iTunes. Tweet us some filth. Um, Come on, you Spurs. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.